0: thanks for listening to the digital backpack this episode was first published january 26th of 2015 when the podcast was called my blend stories this is my blend stories and i'm jeff gerlach mary weaver has been teaching elementary school students since 2007 Currently, she teaches a great group of third graders at White Hills Elementary School, part of East Lansing Public Schools. Yay. Thank you, John. Excuse me. Oh. I forgot your name. <laughs> 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 we recorded this podcast during Mary's plan period and then had the awesome opportunity to teach Mary's students about the recording equipment that we had set up for this podcast. She's the best teacher. Huh? ever. Yeah, yeah, be- be- yeah, she's the best. She's the best. We talked with all the students that wanted to. And you can hear more of these clips on the other side of our conversation with Mary. We know Mrs. Weaver pretty well after visiting and profiling her classroom last year and connecting with her through social media and, of course, chatting with her at conferences. Mary used to teach at Red Cedar Elementary, which was part of East Lansing Public Schools until its closure at the end of the 2013-14 school year. This prompted her relocation to White Hills Elementary for the 2014-15 school year. Mary has utilized the opportunity presented in this move to explore the design of the physical learning spaces of her new classroom, so much so that it allowed her to be a finalist in the Classroom Cribs competition this fall for her thoughtfulness in connecting the interiors of her room with the kind of learning students are doing or the kind of thinking she wants to encourage in them. Some other topics we touched on were how curriculum mastery informs her blended learning choices, the state of teacher education and professional development, and the tweaks that could be made to improve these systems, and a really fascinating self-analysis of her own leadership style. This is her story. in Mary Weaver's classroom. Thanks for fitting us into your plan period. Uh, Absolutely. I know that it's valuable time. I'm really interested that you moved from Red Cedar to White Hills this year. For those that don't know, different parts of the district, Red Cedar closed and Mary had to find a new home. What's that transition been like?
1: Well, (laughs) last year packing up the room, it was sad, but I was excited about White Hills so I came over and took measurements and pictures of the classroom and was getting excited about coming over here. Over the summer, I did tons and tons of research and taught a class at MSU in the Masters of Ed Tech program, cp 811, and part of that class was about classroom design using Google SketchUp to design your perfect classroom. And so the students were doing that, and in doing so, they would submit their work to me, and I would grade it. During that time, I would take a lot of the great ideas about color and movement and anything classroom design related that was also brain researched and write it down so that I had tons and tons of ideas. So when I came to White Hills in the fall, my principal was very supportive in letting me paint the back wall and all the bulletin boards a calm blue color that was researched. I also consulted with our occupational therapist for the district, Stacy Turk. She's awesome. She helped me choose colors. She kept reminding me along the way, third graders are about 47 to 59 inches tall. So make sure that anything you do in your classroom, the kids can have 90 degree angles and with their um, limbs and things like that because I was used to teaching fourth grade. So teaching littler kids, even though it was one year difference, I had to think about those things too. But setting up the room My parents helped me. I had some friends help me. And at first it was a complete disaster. I mean, just, I walked in and there were 52 boxes in the middle of the classroom with tables also, square tables, six of them, and all of my furniture from Red Cedar. So imagine a super small space with the entire middle of the classroom filled with stuff. And then being told, okay, put that all away somewhere and I don't have any storage so I pitched a lot of stuff (laughs) got rid of a lot of it because I wanted to make sure that the classroom was very calm and didn't have a lot of clutter all over so it was hard to part with some of it but some of it I just stuck in the teacher's lounge and other teachers were able to take it and Dee, my student teacher from last year hit the jackpot so she she got a lot of That's my great. old stuff.
0: <laughs> so a lot of that stuff headed headed west.
1: Yes, to Grand Rapids. So she's got a very cute classroom in Grand Rapids now too.
0: Are you jealous?
1: I am a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Good. Dee will hear this and know that, that you're envious of all the stuff that she inherited from you.
1: Yeah. Well, not just that. She bought her own too. She went out garage selling and uh-huh. Didi was going to make sure that her classroom looked really nice and her mom came and helped her. For, her mom's from New York and came and helped her and she's bought a lot of her own stuff too. She's in first grade so it's a little different, you know, word walls and all that, making sure that she has a little more on the walls than we had in fourth grade.
0: Let's stay on the design aspects Mm -hmm. of your classroom. How much of your design choices are informed by the kind of students that you see, the kind of learning that you see going on, and how many of the design choices are informed with the kind of learning you're trying to encourage?
1: At the beginning of the school year, I didn't have any kids to tell me, you know, I'm in a new classroom. I pretty much had to design from scratch, so I used a lot of research to make my decisions i was looking at blogs and everything i really liked round tables i thought that'd be a wonderful idea i thought i was thinking about the third graders and being able to collaborate at the round tables and have a very calm atmosphere but when they arrived it didn't work as well as i thought it would originally there were five round tables in my classroom which took up almost all the space in the classroom And the way I teach normally is sometimes I have kids at their tables, but I like to have a lot of movement. So I have them get up and come join me at the carpet. Well, we didn't have a whole lot of room for carpet. I need to say too, originally I had 22 or 23 kids in my class the Friday before Labor Day. And then when I came in on Tuesday, there were 27 kids on my class list. So the way I had designed the classroom before the kids came, it couldn't even physically work. I had to take the cubbies and the mailboxes and everything and even take them out of the classroom and now they're in the hallway. So I was making changes to my classroom before the kids came in and then once they were in here, I'm realizing third grade is a lot different than fourth grade. It honestly felt like a beehive in here and it wasn't just like the first month of school. I thought okay I'll get these kids calmed down and we'll learn some organization and all that kind of stuff. I just have to give a pat on the back to third grade teachers because as a fourth grade teacher when I would get the kids For the most part they were pretty calm walking in now it could be that my classroom was twice the size and it just didn't feel as anxious but this was a beehive up until about december it was a long time of just busy up and down moving which is normal they're eight years old they're supposed to do that but when there's 27 of them doing that in a super small room and not everybody needs to move all the time. The kids who need the quiet atmosphere didn't have it. I knew that I needed to change my room. So I actually in my head had some ideas and I was talking to a friend about some of my ideas and Stacy Turk too, the occupational therapist. And they were like, yeah, this is great. Did you ask the kids? I was like, oh my gosh. I just assumed that I would know what they would like because we had at the beginning of the year, redesigned the cafeteria the way that they would like talking about their behavior and everything. We went through pictures and talked about the cafeteria. So I just assumed it would be the same. And I brought them to the carpet and we started talking about in an ideal classroom, what would you like it to look like in this space with this furniture? (laughs) Yeah, And they were like, get rid of these three tables. We don't need them. I was like, okay, well, consequence of doing that, which that actually was my idea, (laughs) but I'm glad I asked them. I was like, if I get rid of those three tables, you won't have seats i mean you'll have seats around the room there's there's other tables like coffee tables and chairs and ikea little end tables the reading nook but you will not have an assigned seat and so the first thing i asked was how many of you feel like you need to sit at a table with your legs underneath a table so that you can work on a tabletop? and about 10 kids raised their hand so 10 kids that could be five kids at each table so we could keep two tables plus the higher table in the back that would at least give us a couple more spots I said now you 10 who need that would you feel comfortable if everybody else was sitting around the room and they're like yeah and I was like okay everybody else would you be comfortable not having an assigned seat at a table would that be okay could you handle it and they were like ah, yes of course ah. you know so I was like okay well we'll try it And so we moved the tables, three of the tables, to the very back of the room, and we tried it out before I had them completely removed, because once you get rid of furniture in this district, it's gone. Good luck getting it back. Yeah, exactly. So we moved it to the back, and we tried it for about a day and a half, and they loved it. And my anxiety level went down. It was unbelievable, the difference about how I felt at night with my own three kids (laughs) than it was the previous couple months I asked the custodian to move out the three tables and we've had it this way for about two weeks and yeah
0: so they're still motoring all around right but more space like what do you think that's done for for them and you to not feel the same level of anxiety
1: well it was it wasn't even necessarily the tables it was the chairs there were 27 chairs all over the classroom and 27 people trying to get in and out between all the chairs all the time And obviously the tables take up space too, but it was just chaotic. And they would rock back and forth on the chairs and you could tell their body language was telling me that they were feeling uncomfortable, either that or that they needed to move. And moving out those tables now, they actually have the space to be able to move. They're eight, nine years old, they need to move. And that's been my focus this year is really researching a lot about movement. And MSU came out with that study A couple months ago about exercise before school and how that can have such a positive impact on kids with ADHD but also all kids and so I thought okay we just need to get more movement in here we do exercise a couple times throughout the day especially in the morning we start out with exercising and when we had all 27 chairs and tables and all that kind of stuff and 27 kids you can imagine there just wasn't room. I mean, it was a mess. So now we're actually able to get moving in the morning. And I really do think it's helping them all throughout the day.
0: Last time we talked with you, we talked heavily about your your flip model and then blended instruction in general. You've had this classroom cribs thing, a lot of physical design thinking. How do the two tie together?
1: You know, realistically, moving from one grade level to another, I've taught second grade in East Lansing. I've taught third grade, but it was in Texas. And then I've taught fourth. I'm giving myself permission this year to learn the third grade curriculum. Realistically, you can only do so much as a teacher and I research everything. I've got the, I have got the—I feel like I've got the digital thing kind of down at this mm-hmm. point. And so I wanted to move to the classroom space thing because I like to think, what is gonna be my biggest problem this year? And I knew my biggest problem is 27 kids in a super small space. So I needed to focus on that. I am focusing more on that this year than I am on the digital stuff. We still have the website, we still flip some of the instruction, but mostly now I don't have them watch the videos at home anymore, we watch them in class. Still three minutes long, still doing all the things that we know are good for third graders with flipping but or hybrid, but there isn't as big of a focus on it, I guess. Honestly, it's hard to learn the curriculum and make the videos. So this year I am supplementing more with videos that are either made on YouTube already or made through something else because trying to get science, social studies, math, reading, spelling, writing, all of that done every single day and make videos, it was a lot. I mean, I can totally understand from a teacher's point of view, whenever we talk about flipping and we're like, oh, this is simple, just make a video. If you have a lot of other things going on, it's not as simple as you think it is. I mean, even with me, I was used to making videos. It's a time thing, you know? I have a lot of other things I need to focus on this year and I am focusing on those and I'm getting back. I know though that next year, I know how important that kind of instruction is. So that's my goal again for next year is to pull some more of my own videos in and getting the kids making more videos and actually as the year goes on we'll make more videos too i had to teach a lot of them to read at the beginning of this year you know it's we had to focus a lot on math and reading and writing a lot like way more than i did in fourth grade at the beginning of the year and that's even with i mean all these kids speak english Uh, well and that's the other thing that is really difficult for me this year i came from a school where we had five adults every single day in my class for math. Five adults, me, student teacher, and three parapros every single day. And then the Title One teacher would come in too. This year, it's me. And I only had 22 kids last year, 22 to 24, depending on time of year. This year, there's 27 kids and me and no support for math. I've creatively been able to figure out how to get some support for math. like about twenty five minutes a day, but it's been a little rough.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I totally appreciate that. I'm, yeah. I'm working with a teacher right now. We went into this year where she was gonna either go full on blend or she wasn't gonna do it. And I appreciate the ambition. I mean that's what it takes to yeah. to really push something forward. So yeah. we're into an LMS and everything is a parallel. And she's a high school teacher, so mm-hmm. the other end of the spectrum. But it's kinda like when you get so committed to a format even if you know that that's a good format you need to keep those kids and yourself in mind as well as you're doing it going hog wild and doing the whole thing when you're not physically capable to do it in the first year with her it's a first year doing a blended thing there's a lot of stuff you're going to learn after you get this done so it's kind of like get through do the curriculum really stick to that think about your learners and then We have a chance to do it again next year if we come back to the same position, right?
1: Absolutely.
0: Speaking of advice for teachers, I wrote down a couple things here, and I want to read them off. You've been a mentor teacher for several pre-service teachers. uh, Like you said already, you're a mate instructor. M A E T for anyone that doesn't say mate. You're a PLN junkie. Can I call you a PLN junkie? Absolutely. I've been to Ed Camps with you where it's like, for those that don't know, Ed Camps have really no structure before you get there. You make the schedule the day up and you step forward to lead. I mean, even if it's a formal conference, I mean, you can take over a session like no one I've ever known. but like But over? it's like. But it's like, it's never, it never feels like, it's not like you're annexing a country. I mean, it's what motivates you to lead? What gets you in that space to lead? Metacognitively, reflect on what makes you go there.
1: You know, it's funny you ask that question because I honestly never considered myself a leader until about maybe two years ago. I was the super duper shy kid growing up. I mean, tiny little blonde girl with big old glasses, like sat in the back. If I had to read aloud, the kids were like, ugh, not her again, because you couldn't hear me, right? I mean, I was a good reader. I was just really quiet. And
0: Popcorn reading is one of the most anxiety-riddled oh, yeah. uh, experiences yeah, we don't of do that. my
1: childhood. <laughs> Absolutely. No, that, that it was horrible. I was just very shy growing up. But looking back at it, I was in group projects. My favorite meme is the one of the guys from The Hangover, it says doesn't do anything the whole time, is missing half the movie, did the entire project. I was the kid that did the entire project. I just didn't present it. So it didn't look like I did it. So I did all the drawing. I did all the researching. I had the nicest handwriting. You know, people compliment you when they want you to do things. That's Not my, me. what I'm thinking now. Brandon has
0: <laughs> nice handwriting. Does he?
1: <laughs> So he's going to write up this blog then? Yeah. Perfect. He writes all the blogs. There you go. There you go. I I did everything in every small group. I just never considered myself a leader in that way. And when I went to college, I never did either. I kind of sat in the back and I mean, I always got good grades. I just was very quiet and I just would observe and listen. Even when I got like first on Twitter, just sat back, lurked, watched for a long time until I really learned the language. But I think once I become confident in something, once I get a lot of knowledge about something, then I'm okay trying to teach it to somebody else because I want somebody else to not have to work as hard as I had to work to find out the information. So I feel like I'm almost giving people a shortcut sometimes. <laughs> I'm hoping that's what's happening. Did you want to put that bell in there? That was good yeah. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess I would consider myself a leader now, but it kind of scares me sometimes. I would like to sit in the back and not say anything. Honestly, I think I'm a leader with ed tech and I think I'm a leader with teaching, but I'm not a leader with, e- well, maybe I am. But, I'm <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't think, yeah, I am. I am. Well, it,
0: something interesting that you said is you said you're giving teachers a shortcut. And if I think about it in a little different way, it's not a shortcut to where you are. It's bringing them up to where you're at so that they can push it forward from there the interactions that i have with you and that i know that you have with other teachers you very much see everyone as a peer as a learning companion almost i'm really interested in kind of the interactions that you have with your students in the certificate courses
1: actually can i tell you about dd and rochelle yes yeah, yeah. okay so having student teachers you know they came in and just like anybody would from college first year teaching i remember Asking Didi, I'm like, what is the one thing about teaching that scares you? Like, what is your biggest question? And she was like, I want to know how you know what to do next. And I just kind of giggled. I guess when I think back to it, that's what I wanted to know too. And so I didn't just teach her like, hey, you have to grade this paper. Like I tried to give her all of my thinking that went along with whatever task I asked her to do and give her the why we were doing it and if it doesn't work, then that's okay. We're going to try something else. By the end of the year, she was like, okay, that was a really silly question at the beginning of the year. And I feel like you've, completely answered, I know exactly what to do next. There's no end to the to-do list. You can just keep getting better and better at what you're doing. So even if you have a list of, you know, a few things you need to do specifically for the school district, there's always a list of things personally or professionally you can be working on too. And the kids drive, obviously, in the classroom what you're doing next, along with your lesson plans, hopefully. (laughs) Rochelle and Dee now... I always say okay yes they were my student teachers but they're my friends and they are on Voxer we talk all the time and we celebrate each other's successes you know in teaching a lot of times it feels awkward if something great happens to you or something great happens in your classroom but I know that we have that group where we can cheer each other on and that's been super valuable but now those two girls have amazing jobs, even though they haven't finished the MATE program. Both of them are in the MATE program now. They have to be leaders in that program. They do such amazing things with their students, and they're sharing it on Twitter. They're sharing it on Voxer. It's unbelievable to me that I have as much experience as I do, and they don't have very much experience, but they're still, we're doing the same thing.
0: A lot of it's what you talked about before with that shortcut thing that's not a shortcut right, right. take the knowledge base compress it give it to them let them push it forward not every pre-service teacher has that experience teacher education programs are not what they need to be i mean we're not adequately preparing our teachers for blended instruction personalized learning that our students need
1: would you agree with that yeah i mean when Didi came in and rochelle both they both had a digital portfolio I was like, ooh, that's nice. They have an online presence. But for the most part, they learned everything on the job. You get theory and stuff in college, but they didn't even get how to apply for jobs and stuff like that. I mean, I kept all that from when I was applying for jobs seven years ago, and I'm still on listservs and everything because I thought uh, working at Red Cedar, we had tons of interns. Even if they weren't my intern, I I stayed on all these listservs and stuff so that I could help these teachers who I thought were amazing teachers get jobs because I know that's the hardest part. If you don't interview well or whatever, but you're a great teacher, you may not get a job. So I think that's a huge thing that's missing. Like you've given them the knowledge for science and social studies, or at least the theory part, but the application is sort of there, but the real life practical, this is what you're going to have to do in the classroom and this is how you're going to get a job so that you can actually do this in the classroom, that part's totally missing. At least the interns I've worked with. I will say though, I went to Spring Arbor University for my post BA teaching certificate. We had an entire course on basically getting a job. We made portfolios, we had first year teachers come in and talk to us. We made resumes and we got cover letters we were put on listservs they had a real focus on that and i think that was huge huge
0: systemically more of a focus on how to get a job utilizing digital space what else systemically can we do
1: honestly i don't think there needs to be like a tech course per se but if the instructors at the college level, we're using blended learning, or if they use the different strategies that we use in the classroom to actually teach their students, I think that would be a lot more impacting than the theory behind each of those strategies. I don't think my previous two student teachers had any online learning for their education courses. It's all in person.
0: Do you think they had more of a blended or online approach to their regular undergraduate courses? Do you think that that's more? No, I don't think
1: so. I'm almost 100% sure they both took in-person classes. I don't think either one of them took any online classes. I mean, I took one online class when I was in school many years ago. It was horrible. When I looked at the MATE program, I was like, oh, I want this in person. I've done an online course. I'm not doing another one. And obviously the mate program is very different and it's awesome and I would recommend it to anybody, but I don't know, I don't think maybe the instructors at the university level are being taught how to instruct in a blended environment. These key phrases going around are the, what is it called, the popular terms going around like blended learning, flipped instruction. Those are flying around everywhere, but what does that really mean? Teachers aren't getting professional development, or if they are, I'm jealous. I never got any formal professional development. I knew who to seek out and ask them what they were doing and then asked the university what research shows and kind of went in my first year doing it. I didn't know any other elementary teachers who were even doing it. So I just tried stuff out and revised as I went, and hopefully that's helping other people now.
0: You know, I think that's precisely why we exist, mm-hmm. not to get pluggy. But, I mean, putting together professional Absolutely. development courses getting sketches for learning how to be a blended teacher is something that needs to be there. You need to formalize stuff because otherwise no one takes it seriously. It's just another flavor of the month and if it's not going to be measured, unfortunately, most people are going to be like, "Well, I'm not supported in it. So how am I ever going to to learn this stuff?"
1: So, when you when in your courses, do you make sure that the work you're having the students do, they can actually use in their classrooms at that point? Are they trying it out?
0: Absolutely. Our advanced course has a project throughout where you're building a blended unit as you go on. Um, After you're done with that, then you get to work with me personally and tailor everything to your environment. So really uh, looking forward to to talking with more teachers. I know we're running out of time today. There's going to be eight-year-olds running in here in a minute. (laughs) Thanks so much. Thanks for all you do. And I'm sure we'll be talking soon.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for coming in.
0: Thanks for listening to My Blend Stories. For more, visit myblend.org. And now some more clips from the conversation that we had with Mary's students. So what is your favorite thing about Mrs. Weaver's class? I like it how we got to pick like the seats that we want and we get to kinda like go around the room a lot. You got to pick your own seats? Yeah. That's pretty cool.
1: I like the fact that there's 27 kids, I think, um, and they can all fit in a tiny classroom. Yeah, we got to help a lot with the design and pick
0: what we wanted in the classroom. Um, We wanted to, like, be able to move around a lot more. Move around a lot more? Some
1: people wanted ball chairs, standing desks. I like that no one bullies each other, and it's all like I feel like it's a family. I
0: like that it has a lot of free space, and we can just move wherever we want.
1: Cool.
0: I like all the lush green decorations, and I like how when you walk into the classroom, it kind of feels like, feels like you're walking into a rainforest. I also like that we get to pick our own seats too. Do you get to make a lot of choices in here, do you think? Um, yeah. If you guys are doing a podcast, what do you think you guys would talk about? Like, you have a classroom podcast? Um. Like everything, on everything in the classroom? Everything in the classroom? <laughs> yeah. So, like, what would be the topic of today? Like, what's the biggest thing that happened today that we would talk about?
1: Um. I think that you guys came yeah. to do this. Yeah. <laughs>
0: If you could visit anywhere in the world, where would it be? New York. New York, why? Because there's a lot of <laughs> lots of houses. Lots <laughs> of houses. <laughs> You're to live in all of them? Yeah. Um, somebody
1: comes in and brings these fun electronic like, kind of stuff. He brought robots at home, um, and the robots show up on your iPad. You fight each other. My what that's home. It's Bramble.
0: Um, uh, man around, no, right? yeah, oh, yeah, it's from Mr. Wayne. Yeah, that's cool. I like how we get to sit everywhere, like it's a free pro. and like it's a giant yeah. gym kind of thing. Yeah, like that kind of thing. That's your favorite part. What is the funnest? Most That's fun not fun. even a word. She's the best teacher ever. What's the most fun? Yes.
1: You said it wrong. Um, she is. You said um, I don't know.
0: What is the activity in which you felt the most enjoyment? Fun. Doing
1: part? daily five. Um, daily five is when you could write, partner reading, read um to yourself and, like, do writing. Use MP3 players. Yeah. Listening (laughs) to reading. What
0: is your absolute favorite thing about Mrs. Weaver's class? I think it's, like, how she teaches us. She kind of eases things on us,
1: except, like, sometimes, like, when she just quote, multiplication and division right on top of our heads. (laughs) She did that? Yeah. (laughs) You think she does a good
0: job of, like, challenging you when you need to be challenged? Yes. Yeah. When's uh, when's one time you needed to be challenged on something? Like, um, she noticed I was doing very well at spelling, so she gave, like, a group of us... A fourth grade list that
1: we could practice? This week we had anxiously. He spelled that right on the screen.
0: Do you think you're an anxious person? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes? (laughs) (laughs) How so? What what, what makes you anxious? Like, whenever there's, like, something that I know I'm going to get right, but I'm still nervous kind of yeah. that i will get it wrong uh i like the part where we go to outdoor recess and we have sleds and we take turns we're coming here for outdoor recess mm-hmm. sure they've got as sled. soon as it's uh warm as soon as it warms up a little bit we'll be here to, to sled with you oh. yeah. would that be good yeah. Okay. Yeah, that would be fun. <laughs> <Is> <laughs> anything else that anyone wants to say on either side of the table? We should have a bouncy floor. <laughs> okay. Mrs. Weber is the best teacher ever. She always teaches us great things. I like the way
1: we design we used to have five tables.
0: Not now not anymore, huh?
1: No, we only have two now. Okay.
0: You like it better with two? Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you, everybody. You're welcome. You. You're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah, I'm welcome. you welcome.